Hello, my name is Britt Hicks, and this is another Exvangelical podcast. On this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life who in some way identify with the term Exvangelical. On that note, everyone has their own personal story, their own vocabulary. Uh, When listening to this podcast, there may be things that you agree with and things that you don't agree with. And I invite you to just to sit and hold space for the person that you're listening to. All right. So this week we have my friend Aurelia Davila Pratt with us. Would you get, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Hi, first of all. Um, I'm just getting grounded right now. Cause I literally <laughs> like lost track of the time and ate like a chicken, like a piece of chicken as fast as I mm. could right before I came in here. Cause I, I have was, a shake right now. <laughs> I'm just I, like, I was like, sipping oh on that. God, I'm starving. <laughs> I'm so hungry. I'm shaking. And I just like, So anyway, okay. So my name is Aurelia. I work from home because I'm a pastor here in the kind of Austin, greater Austin Metro, really the Round Rock area. And we're a tiny little community that rents a space. And so I work from home and I uh, pastor that community. It's called Peace of Christ Church. I'm also a founder and I love what we're doing there. Um, Also a writer. I'm writing all the time, articles, sermons, blog posts. I'm going to call it blog, even though it's Substack. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, just celebrated the one year birthday of my book, a Brown girl's epiphany yesterday, September 13th. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but, but yeah. Uh, I- yeah. And you're also getting ready for nevertheless, she preached, which this will air after that, but I mean, people can probably register for next year yeah are you going are you gonna be there are we gonna be yeah um I am at least gonna try to be there Monday because I really want to see Flamey um Mm -hmm. Flamey was you know on earlier she started off season two um but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make it by I have a stack full of stickers I want to pass out so yeah yeah yes okay and I can help you if you need any help with that because I'm the MC this year. So I'll be very cool. I'll be doing all the introductions and sort of just helping transition from moment to moment. Um, but yeah, if you haven't met Kendall, have you met Kendall? She's the executive director and co-founder of the, I've heard of her. I have not met her yet. You have got to meet her. You've got to have her on this podcast. She's awesome. Oh my gosh. Her book. Have you heard of her book? It's called thy queendom come. Uh, no. breaking free from the patriarchy to save your soul ooh, ooh, <laughs> yes she's amazing and so she's the creator and the you know the person who makes all this happen for nsp and um yeah, i really love that that organization and have been helping her since she got it off the ground no uh, very cool yeah i'll definitely reach out to her and <laughs> um i always can find yeah, yeah. Always <laughs> buying books like Amazon. You posted one the other day and I almost bought it, but I'd already <laughs> bought so many books for school. I was just like, I'm going to set it in the, it's in the cart. We'll just wait, <laughs> we'll wait yeah. a couple of days and then we'll order it. Um, Cause it's not summer anymore and I can't just read to right. read. 
yeah. but speaking of reading, so she, um, she did write A Brown Girl's Epiphany, and it's a great book. I highly recommend everyone getting it. Um, I bought it. It was on the kitchen table, and my wife was like, are you a brown girl? I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> but I can still learn from it. But you <laughs> can also, like, it's really for anybody to read. It is true that brown girls will resonate brown women will resonate yeah. but i feel like anyone could really take i think anyone that's a woman anyone that's in a marginalized group yeah. could really learn from it um especially people that come out of evangelical backgrounds yes yeah because i was reading and i think i was messaging you while i read it and i'm like oh my god like there were so many parallels yeah. between our stories I know um, I was l- when listening to your story in a previous episode and I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make my own book and it's just going to be a white girl's epiphany. <laughs> and then the, the, the subtitle, it's going to say, you know, something about it, this is not about pumpkin spice. And <laughs> but you know, know what? Though? I love like how we say, like, I love just being basic. Like, I love the pumpkin spice. Give me like, you know, the Taylor Swift eras whatever like I'll take any of the things that everyone (laughs) likes and I'll and I don't like I don't need to be unique like I'm like yeah that's awesome I love that (laughs) I think that's unique in its own way my my (laughs) wife is a huge Swifty like you know and I kind of made fun of her about it at first but then um I love Brandy Carlisle so it's like that's she's my jam Taylor is you know yeah you know my wife's jam um (laughs) Some of the things that, and we'll get to questions here in a little bit, but um, what the one thing that keeps popping into my mind from the book, and especially now, like, cause I walk every single morning um, just about. And then one of the last times that I was able to take my paddleboard out onto the lake, our lake, y'all, we've had a drought. It just finally mm. rained yes. yesterday, right. September 13th, and we've needed it so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last time I took my paddleboard to the um, to the lake, there was this massive snake that went right by, <laughs> like where I was, right? Scared, yeah. uh, you know what, out of me looking, because I was like, I almost just swam through that. And it just kind of went into like this whole marshy area. Like there's this loading dock to where you can get onto your... Um, kayak or your paddleboard mm-hmm. and it was it went by on that and I inwardly panicked right and then I read this part in uh your book where it says you know when you see a snake that it's in some ancient traditions that it is almost a sign of reverence that like it's a uh I wish I had it pulled up <laughs> but um <laughs> It's like, yeah, it was like the divine, divine, it was in ancient traditions, a symbol of divine, the divine feminine. Yes. Yeah. And so after reading that, now my guard of seeing, cause like that was kind of, I've seen enough snakes to be a little terrified, you know, <laughs> um, on a walk in San Antonio, I was just walking through this grassy area and almost stepped on one, but the snake like left my foot pretty quickly. But after seeing that and going okay so now if I see a snake I can just look at it and go okay this was like you know we would have said in um, the evangelical tradition like it was a divine appointment like I saw the snake good you know instead of being scared of it I don't know I haven't seen the snake since well you know it's kind of funny too because like in 
possibly our former paradigms, seeing a snake might have been a sign of being cursed. <laughs> right. Yes. So yeah. I feel yeah. like in this book, in so many ways, I'm flipping messaging on its head and asking, yeah. well, what if actually it's an invitation to go deeper and think? Right. You know. Yeah. Because we loved um, that verse that, you know, you'll step on snakes and scorpions and you won't be harmed or when, um, Peter got bit by a snake or was it Paul? One of the two got bit by a snake and threw the snake in the fire. So it was always like this. And then also the serpent in the beginning, right? right. Um, in the beginning, the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh man, yeah, now I'm like thumbing through this and just like seeing things that, yeah, if I, I'm, I think my wife hates this. She's a big reader, but I will write and underline, highlight, dog hair. <laughs> everything in a book and (laughs) one of the because it's when you go back you want to remember you want to go back to it um but one of the titles was talking about um politeness like how we have this oh and especially coming out of evangelical backgrounds of you're a girl or or you're you know you're feminine presenting um you need to be kind you need to be quiet you don't need to be argumentative. You need to respect your elders. You need to respect um, men. You need to respect the people that are above you. And it was just this, you know, now being out of it, really trying to deconstruct that whole, like, being polite and kind. And, you know, like, the fruit of the spirit was really taught to us, you know, and the whole love chapter of love is patient, love is kind, be faithful, be you know, all these things that we really learned to embody, which, you know, is also a good thing, but also to our own detriment of becoming a, a doormat, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, that was, that chapter was called Step Out of Politeness and yes. just talking about how, you know, the concepts of politeness or even piety are not meaningful or helpful or even useful if we're not really going deeper on what it means um, to be kind to a person, to Mm -hmm. offer love to a person. You know, all of these gifts of the spirit, like we're thinking of them so superficially Mm -hmm. and to the point where we can't really be peacemakers because we're not supposed to rock the boat. (laughs) Right, yeah. But but actually creating peace and being a peacemaker is going to be disruptive when you really do it, the work of it. Um, And so that's kind of what I'm talking about in that chapter. And I think the whole book really is just like this exploration of what do I need to step out of? What has me bound Mm -hmm. that is keeping me from living fully into, you know, the image of God that I was made in. And so I share some examples. And for me, one example is politeness, the construct, the idea of it. Um, But the whole idea of the book is to hopefully get you thinking about like, what do I need to step out of? And some of the things we'll share, especially like you said, if we are coming from similar evangelical contexts or um, influenced, you know, cultures, um, then we'll share some of these things and then some, you know, you'll, will be unique to you or some will be unique to me. Um, but I'm not saying that politeness isn't valuable. Like I always mm-hmm. say, I have a child who is seven. <laughs> <laughs> like she needs to learn, you know, about 
politeness, but it's just a matter of like, do we want milk or do we want solid foods, you know, grow and it's not enough. And it's definitely not okay to use politeness to put a bow on things that are actually harmful in society. Yeah. Yeah. Society and yourself. Cause I feel like a lot of politeness is like, um, or could be used. Cause yes. Anyway. Um, I, I don't know if you know, are you big into the Enneagram at all? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so I'm a nine. <laughs> so politeness is like my, my go-to, right. <laughs> And it can be uh, to a fault to where I just, I nines are the peacemakers. And it's like, we will do anything. We don't, we don't want the conflict. We don't want, you know, any argumenting. We just want, okay, what do you want? What do you want? Cool. Peace. We're, we're done. But then it, it tears at ourselves because we're worried about everybody else, but we're not worried about our inward self, which again, I think kind of comes from, um, indoctrination from a previous background right absolutely to love your neighbor love your neighbor but they would also say love your neighbor as yourself well if i don't care about myself how can i care about all these others um yeah yeah and that my book actually on the inside cover where it describes it i think one of and i wrote this but the publisher used it but i'm (laughs) glad that they liked my description (laughs) but i you know say what if our inner work is the starting point for creating heaven on earth. So we are doing this work, right? We're resurrection people doing liberation work, but it's not sustainable if we have not taken care of ourselves and if it didn't start from within us and if we don't have a place to go back to, an inner home to go back to that is nourished Mm -hmm. and empowered and so, um, absolutely, I'm res- I resonate with what you're saying about just how we've been indoctrinated to neglect ourselves and to be martyrs <laughs> and yes, go, yeah. go, go and do, 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 and to never feel okay about just taking care of ourselves first. And you know what? Yesterday I was at a writing group. We have a writing writers meet up in our church community. And we were going around and sharing something that we've written just to share because that's what we do in writing group. (laughs) One of my, one of my friends there, her name's Sarah, she shared a poem she wrote where she reframed all of 1 Corinthians 13 about love, but she changed, like she wrote a poem, essentially quoting the verse, but then changing it out with like loving yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about that text that way, which is crazy to me. Yeah. But when it was so powerful, you should go check that out sometime. Oh, Do yeah. it yourself because, oh my goodness, when she did that, we were all like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we need to also love ourselves well, or we yeah. can't do much else for very long. Yeah. Well, I, I buy the book. <laughs> I just want to give people a little taste of it. Um, y'all should definitely, definitely pick this book up and let us know, um, what you think about it. Cause it, it is really good and it will get you thinking for sure. Um, and just the, the timing of it was for me, it was perfect. Um, so this is an expansion. This is a evangelical podcast. What is your relationship with the word evangelical? 
Uh, I use it every day when I add the hashtag <laughs> to my Instagram posts. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I always include, you know, I think it's just that I love the word. I think that like any, like language is always evolving. So for like a split second, everyone loves the word deconstruction. And then suddenly people decide they're sick of it and then they make a new word. So I think it's similar with ex-evangelical. Like we see it. Um, it's helpful. I think it's very helpful for people to identify a place that might be safe or a place that they might resonate with. Um, but but I suspect that just like any other term that we use in our culture, it's probably going to evolve into something else at some point sometime. Um, but for me, I really just see it as, you know, we are moving we we are shifting we have shifted our paradigms i always call my myself a paradigm shifter mm-hmm. so we have shifted paradigms we are no longer identifying with a paradigm that um emphasizes binary that emphasizes dualistic thinking that emphasizes in it your inner your out um you know that emphasizes conditional love you know all of these things um we have kind of shifted and we no longer identify with that paradigm. I still think it's important. It doesn't necessarily say what you do identify with. Mm-hmm. I still think it's important. I think there's a lot of people in that space that are like, now what? Um, I see a lot of people giving up. And I really like, I really want people to know like there's beauty beyond yeah. evangelicalism and there's beauty beyond what we don't identify as anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's been kind of the beauty behind this podcast, too, is it leaves room for those folks that don't really know where they're at yet. But it also gives them like these different paths that they want, like to go like, OK, yes, the evangelical um, journey is hard. It's difficult. But if you want to go further in a different area, you can. Um so the word evangelical, how do you feel about that, that word? And also, do you feel like it's something that can be reclaimed? Well, I didn't actually grow up, you know, in the evangelical church. I grew up in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And I I did have a lot of experiences with evangelicalism because I grew up in an area of rural North Louisiana where everyone was like Baptist or Methodist. So I very much was influenced by that culture. And then I participated in it in order to have friends, you know, to be a part of the youth group. And so I know it well, but I don't feel like I, ex- I did experience trauma because it's a traumatizing paradigm, but I don't feel like I experienced it, it from such an impressionable age that it like really, really, really hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I feel that's that might be because I've just met people who cannot stick around. They cannot even be in a progressive church. They've just been too harmed. And I totally mm-hmm. understand it. And I think that when I think about evangelicalism and I think about growing up in it from a really young age, you know, that a lot of people um, just experience a lot of harm in that when it when and if they wake up to other ways of practicing and believing yeah it's hard (laughs) it's very hard um and even when you do come around because you still you still experience the trauma in different ways and then you'll think that you've healed from one part 
um, and maybe go into a service and it looks more progressive, but then they start singing the old songs that you sang at your old church. And you're like, okay, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is uncomfortable. I, you know, I'll, I need to, I still have areas to heal from. Um, yeah. Did you, did you deconstruct ever? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up Catholic, but then I got kind of moved over to the Southern Baptist tradition because of, uh, friendships and things like that. So by the time I got to college, I was looking for the Baptist student ministry because I associated that with community. Whereas in Catholicism, I associated that with a more individual path, you know, there's, and I let, I love the mystical tradition that, you know, I find myself going back to in a lot of ways now, but as a young person, I felt isolated in Catholicism and I wanted community. So I looked for it where I understood it existed. So I looked for the Southern Baptist student ministry and I dove deep in, I was going on mission trips. I was the president mm. of the place by the time I graduated <laughs> college. I mean, I really like went all in. Um, and so when I went to seminary and I left that tradition to go to a seminary that affirmed women as pastors, um, I kind, I didn't, I kind of started the deconstruction journey then, but I didn't have language for it. I'd never, I mean, I'd never heard that word at that time, but also I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that when you go to seminary, your faith gets rocked because you're, you have to confront everything that you've just assumed. And um, so everything was just being torn down and it was very much a spiritual desert for me during seminary. I was just like in survival mode. Um, and then after I finished seminary and I also did a master's of social work and moved here to the, to this area, kind of round rock area, I helped start the church that I'm at now. And we started the church. Um, I mean, I kind of fell into it and it's a long, boring story, but we, I just want to say in short that as a community over the last 11 years that we've existed, I feel like we went through deconstruction together mm. as a community. So it was interesting because we started one way and we really evolved and now we're who we are. We've always held things lightly though. So we never necessarily were like, this is how it is, but, but we changed a lot. And, um, it's interesting because deconstruction is hard, very, very hard, but I do feel like I went through it in community and that really helped. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, for sure. Cause then you're yeah. not like, am I crazy? <laughs> you know, you have other people yeah. that are affirming what you're thinking. Well, um, and like I said, some people are there with us and they're going, a lot of people will come to our community, deconstruct. I always say they deconstruct right on out the church doors. <laughs> like they just, everyone is on their own journey. Um, but I, I just really think that some people have just been through too much pain and suffering and they can't heal in the church you know? So I'm just trying to create a space for people that need it and not everyone needs it. Um, because, but, but for the, all that to say, like, it can be incredibly lonely and it, I think it, it helps to be in community in any, I mean, in yeah. any conversation, that's the, that's the sentence to say, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anytime like there are in our pastoral care classes, that's the one thing I always say. It's like, it, it goes back to community. 
yeah. or if uh we hear something and like me and my wife and they talk about community my wife's like that's what you always say I'm like yeah because it's yeah. it's true I mean it's the reason why one of the reasons why I believe we can do can that we start to deconstruct is because we have met people within other communities you know a great mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. is the LGBTQIA plus community you know if you don't know anyone in that community it's easy to say you know very general you know passive things about a community that you don't know anyone within the community but once you build relationship with them then it's hard to say well i don't think that these two should be married you know things like that or um yeah i i i am a big believer in community and if you um if you're questioning like something i don't know how to put this um if you find yourself with like a we'll just use the word prejudice if you find yourself with a prejudice against somebody get to know people that you have that prejudice against and i'm pretty sure you're gonna change absolutely um, yeah it's like you remember the old school um what was it the like the mom swap or wife swap <laughs> remember that, those shows like TV show? yeah 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 where like they would change moms yeah. and it, yeah. it would just kind of give them a different perspective I don't know if I would ever do that that seems <laughs> no that seems way more traumatic than it needs to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you brought up the mystic and I I will talk about this because I just I something that I'm drawn to uh what draws you to to myst- like would you say mysticism or just the mystic yeah, I always call myself a wannabe mystic, but mm-hmm. honestly, I think when we were just talking about this at our <laughs> on church at church on Sunday, we have a it's we call it Sunday it's called Soul Hour and we it's Sunday school minus the triggers. <laughs> nice. Um, so we were talking about contemplative forms of of prayer and and I, and I was saying like the the mystic's heart is sort of the posture that I resonate with in my faith Mm. journey. And I think that I don't need anyone's permission to be a mystic, actually. I mean, I think it's Mm -hmm. really a posture. I think it's a faith posture of openness, you know, a faith posture of accepting and embracing mystery and uncertainty and um, non-duality and paradox. Mm. So I really think that it's it's just a posture, you know? And so I think it's the posture that posture that best describes like for me, what how I resonate with faith practice. And I don't, I, I think I'm drawn to it because I don't need like, I don't need logical explanations or to Mm -hmm. give you logical explanations. I'm not threatened by anyone else's faith. Like I'm just doing my thing here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I I just think that, uh, yeah, I'm drawn to the tradition for that reason and to the mystics and and to the ways that they postured themselves in in this world. And actually a book I'm going to recommend, even though you're not supposed to read book other books right now <laughs> busy with school readings um but it's practice the presence practicing the presence of god and it's a new translation by carmen acevedo butcher and she mm. wrote a new translation that is 
has so much integrity, but um, not but. And this translation is so incredible because she uses inclusive pronouns for God. And I just have such a hard time reading the ancient mystics because of the translations and just the triggers that come up for me. Um, So to have access and knowledge about inclusive translations um, is just so wonderful. But I love that translation. And it's a little book that makes me really happy. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, Part of my deconstruction was uh, the mystics and also reading like Richard Rohr and I would listen to the litur- liturgist podcast and he was on there a few times and they would talk about mysticism. And one of the things I thought about is, you know, it was cool because again, I go on walks all the time and I think it was while listening to an episode of the liturgist podcast where science Mike was talking about mysticism Um and he was kind of using an image I already had where it was like this, you had this uh, row of trees and then you look up and there's a canopy, right? So like, I feel like religions have their roots and then they have like maybe their pillars, right? Or their um, their piety. But if you look up, you have what I would see as like the mystics that just kind of come together that have one thing, which is love. You know, you have your um islamic mystic mystics you have your jewish mystics your christian mystics and that's really all that they were about is oneness within themselves and love and it's like if we could just get to this canopy part like i think we would all be in a better place i know um (laughs) selah um (laughs) Yeah, there are different personalities. Is all I, I know. I, I know. understand. There are people that just have different personalities, and they're not drawn to peace. <laughs> I know, and, and it's funny. It's interesting going to seminary, and you know, and this is something that I've brought up before, where you kind of go in these spaces thinking like, "Oh, everyone's going to think the same as me. We're all on the same page." And then you get in there, and you're like, "Oh no, we're not." <laughs> you know, you still have people that you know, are from your previous faith backgrounds, you have people from ones that you're not familiar with at all. And just like, you know, all these different, all these different walks and, you know, um, the mansplainers, you know, you get, you get a little bit of everybody. Different experiences, (laughs) different brains, different personalities, different bodies. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Hurting cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but it goes back to love too. Cause it's like, I look at these people and I do love them regardless of what, you know, our different beliefs are. We, we come together in that common, common bond for most folks. I'm still working on some. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were talking about Sunday school earlier. I Maybe I'll actually make it, but I wanted to, to make a t-shirt that said Sunday school dropout. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I can, I can remember okay. when I stopped going to Sunday school. I think it was right before I went into the military. Um, yeah. uh, okay. So the mystics, yeah. um, we actually brought it back. We actually got tired of Sunday school and we just didn't have it for like four years. And then we were like, you know, kind of miss like hanging out a little bit more like on a deeper level, but everyone's mm-hmm. busy. And the only time is like Sunday that we've already carved out. So we're like, what if we just did like something good for the soul? And, it, and anyway, <laughs> so we, we literally meet under a tree 
and we only meet when the weather's nice enough to meet under the tree. Nice. And, uh, and someone else, like a different person every single week leads the topic of whatever they feel like the topic being. <laughs> oh, that's very so, cool. Yeah. The, so, that seems doable and sustainable for sure. Yeah. And when we get tired, when it's not, then we'll retire it and then we'll do something else another time when we feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No sense in kicking a dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, who have been some of your influences throughout the the years? For for what? Like <laughs> everything. Um oh it could be like part of your deconstruction. Um mm. what what led you to seminary? Oh my god. I'm so my the reason why I'm asking this is I can see behind like where you have your your icons and I know like you like yeah. iconography. Mm-hmm. That's a good question too. What draws you to iconography? Well, I think the first thing that drew me to it was a reclamation of my childhood faith. I know that Catholicism has just not, if not more, harms within its tradition. So I'm not really like glorifying the doctrine itself. Mm-hmm. It's more of, I, I say this in my book, it's that mystical childlike place, that childlike mm-hmm. faith before I was indoctrinated into here's what you have to believe about everything. I remember that place. I remember God with me without any mediators in between us. And I just always felt God's presence in my life at a very young age. And I felt drawn to God in that space where we would go to church and there was visual Mm-hmm. ways to engage your body you know i think that moving to the baptist world it was like nothing and it was like bad it was bad to have beauty it was right. bad to have you know incense like thing but mm-hmm. i find that you know the images i can see and the 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 candle i can light and the incense i can smell and the place i can go to helps bridge my body to my, to this kind of like spirit practices. And it kind of, I don't know, it just like builds up a a faith for me in a way. Mm. And so I always liked the icons because of the kind of the visual storytelling, but truly, like, if you know about the history of iconography, it's very, very meaningful. I mean, every detail of, of a, of a real icon, um, has a very intentional meaning to it. Every detail tells a part of the story, even so that one, like there's one behind me that you can see like brown and then sort of like silver Mm. of the resurrection. And I actually got that in Greece um, Mm. at a place where like, anyway, whatever, at a, like a real place where every material used had meaning to the story as well. Like literally the materials, the images, the placement, I mean, everything tells a part of the story. And if you know that, then it becomes incredibly meaningful to to gaze upon it and consider what's happening in the image. Mm. Um, But then at that point, I just started collecting icons. Um, Anytime I would go on a significant, meaningful journey or trip. And then people just started giving them to me. So <laughs> it's like, you can't so you have a collection. Even, you can't oh, yeah. see them all, but like, yeah, I have a lot. <laughs> I think that's something that 
I feel like we were kind of cheated from, right? Because like in my background too, it was, they were considered not icons, but idols. Like you have these idols and they're, you worship them, you worship them like they're other gods and then you get away from it. And it's like, no, like it's really not. It's these beautiful stories of people that have gone before us. Like we have so much to learn from them. And I feel like now I'm trying to catch up on learning about all the saints and, you know, not just people that were in the Bible. Right. Um, we have a little area, I'll have to send you a picture, um, downstairs where we have kind of like a little icon area. And as you were saying that, like I made for one of our classes for a Jan term, it was um, about Paul. And I made a picture where I cut out like construction paper and made Paul. And um, I took some of his writings from a Bible and I soaked them in wine and I put that on there. And then I had uh, like a musical background for like hymns that, you know, and I got olives and I use the olives to kind of like color in the background. So it's kind of the same thing. I didn't realize that that's how, you know, iconography was made. So now I'm interested in doing more yeah. because, you know, it's given me more ideas for, I'm also in, which, um, because <laughs> for one of the classes I'm taking right now, it's called, uh, it's a pilgrimage class. And so I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for it. And I'm reading about Dorothy Day and her, her writings and her, yeah. And I, again, I'm catching up. Like, I feel like I'm still doing so much learning. <laughs> so Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I want mine to be like around like social justice and stuff. Yeah. Um, I am sorry, y'all. If y'all can hear the dogs barking, they have just been a little I extra. Great. Hopefully okay. they can't because I can't. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's also interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, I have so many like people that I want to um tell you about to like look up (laughs) yes yes I am a sponge I really am I just Mm -hmm. I'm soaking everything in um especially like this is my last year of seminary so you know and I feel like I'm just like like scratching the surface you know Um, well I don't feel like I learned a lot I mean I wish I would have been more wise during seminary and used that space to be a sponge but I feel like I was just trying to I feel like I was just trying to not have my entire faith fall apart and then also (laughs) um just get the assignments done (laughs) right yeah Um, yeah because it was after seminary where I really became leaned into the lifelong learning and I'm yeah, I lo- always look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have like taken better advantage. But I was just so young. I mean, I was like 22, you know, oh, wow. yeah, I went to seminary. So I was just still growing up, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that in a way. I mean, I'm what? I'm like, I'm either 38 or 39. I don't know which one. I'm like, oh, um, okay. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I think we're the yeah. same. Around yeah, the same. I was born in 85. So I think. Oh, I'm me too. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep. <laughs> we are the same age. <laughs> We're peers. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, it's just, I feel like probably a lot of people had that experience in seminary where you kind of get through it. And I'm like, can I do round two? Because I feel like I could like go through and learn so much more. Like, yeah, um, too. <laughs> yeah, but like, I also I just... don't want to go back to academia. I mean, oh, I would love to get my PhD, but I also don't. It can't be around anything to do with faith because mm-hmm. I just can't do it again. Like I can't. It. I. 
no, it just like, it sucked out my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't, I can't acad- like acad- academic, how academically, I can't like put my faith back into academics and like try to, and I just, right. I can't do it again personally. So yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I want to get my PhD to eventually teach. And I'm like, you know, I, this podcast was birthed out of an ex-evangelical class. I'm like, if that's where we're going, I could be the professor of like homiletics oh and evangelicalism. Yeah, you know, like, that's yeah. awesome. What's, I could do going that. On? What's going on? <laughs> I'm at um, Austin Presbyterian Theological oh. Seminary. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Long. We have a, we have a lot of connections there with NSP. I feel like influences. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can go into like some of the people that you wish that you had like okay for iconography like for me like Nadia Boltzweber love Nadia Boltzweber yes um she helped me through a lot in the the whole deconstruction yeah so she's definitely one of my my big influences yeah Pastrix that book really helped me oh yeah a lot it was a really pivotal that was a long time ago now that I read that but it was very much like very needed for me Mm -hmm read that um gosh <laughs> that's probably one that you needed to prepare a little more mm-hmm. <laughs> um i'll just i can keep throwing people out there like richard war he he did a lot yeah um he he was very foundational for me at the very beginning of us starting our church because around that time i signed up for his daily his little email. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I signed up for that. And that was definitely an introduction or I will say a reintroduction back into kind of the posture of the mystic. Um, someone who I appreciate is Maribai Star. Have you heard mm. of her? No. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, but she has a several books and she's another person who writes on the ancient mystics in an inclusive way Mm. um so I really love her work um trying to remember what her like oh she does pilgrimages by the way cool yeah um she's amazing but um yeah I think I've just been probably because I just wrote this book and I it came out and during that journey I got connected to so many authors that either I didn't know about before or I just became connected um because of being in similar spaces and then getting to interact and learn from different authors and so I really love um Caitlin Curtis and her posture also she's an indigenous author Hmm. who kind of writes in the intersection of kind of like Christian spaces. I don't know that she would label herself a Christian anymore, but I think she started there. So a lot of her work just, I resonate with because of, like you said, like similar stories with the evangelical um, influence. I really love her book native, but she just came out with another book called living resistance. And um, I just, uh, basically I appreciate anybody who wants to take time to engage nuance. (laughs) Mm. I just appreciate whenever I can see that somebody is not living as a reaction, 
you know, I, I understand anger and rage, and I think it's required and necessary part of our journeys and that we need it sometimes to get shit done. Mm -hmm. But, um, I just, ultimately, I don't want to be a person who is living in reaction to all the things that are unjust. Like I, that's not sustainable for me. And I don't think I need to be that way to be angry or to confront those things. Um, so anytime I notice someone on social media or an author in their, their style of writing that I can just sense is like writing from a groundedness that is like beautiful and energetic, mm. sustainable, those are going to be the people that I'm drawn to. Yeah. You, you just reminded me of like, and I'm writing this down. So I, one day when I get to read again for pleasure, <laughs> um, Anne Lamont, who oh, I've, yeah um friend of mine was telling me about her and said that she's like Nadia but older <laughs> yeah oh have you not read any of Anne Lamott's yet I have not no yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you would love her style of writing as well based on everything that I heard in your story <laughs> also just based on our conversation now um but I've recently gotten into Substack. And I started one where I'm block, just a space to write for fun. Okay. I don't know what that's like yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you probably don't have time to just write for funsies all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went over there, started a little blog called Imago Dei every day, because that's my mm. favorite theology. And I talk about yes. it all the time. Um, but over there, I'm reading um, Black Eyed Stories is the name of the Substack. Um, from Marcy Alvis Walker, who is the creator of the Instagram page, Black Coffee with White Friends. But oh, she, yeah. yeah, she, oh my gosh, she has a book that just came out too. I, I haven't read it yet, but I ordered it. I need to stop. <laughs> um, but she is, her writing is, is, is insanely beautiful. It's one of those where you're like, oh, this isn't writing. This is art. Like I'm mm. reading right now. <laughs> like it's just really beautiful. And, um, I've loved. What was her name again? um, Marcy Alvis Walker. And her um, sub stack is called Black Eyed -Eyed Stories. Um, The subtitle is God is Bigger Than the Bible, Thoughts, Essays, and Other Contemplations. Um, But I I really love um, sub stack right now because it's just getting me away from social media. And I can like in the morning just have a cup of coffee and just read some reflections from the curated um posts that I've chosen to subscribe to oh cool so it's not like an so is it like an algorithm or do you choose or kind of both well if you get their app then then it will then there's is an algorithm but you can just choose to look at the ones that you are subscribed to but it's actually great because it's sort of like a newsletter or blogging um, site. So if you subscribe, it'll just come to your email. So you don't even have to have the app. You could just literally receive the posts you want to receive into your inbox. Very cool. and, um, so I, I I follow her that, or I subscribed to her as well as Caitlin Curtis, who has the Liminality Journal and many others too. I have several others that I really like. Um, but so many authors doing really important work with their words right now. And I just, mm. 
I just want to support everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like a great break from social media. I mean, there's only so much Facebook you can do so much Instagram Mm -hmm. (laughs) and TikTok. I mean, that's just a rabbit hole that you can get down and yeah. Um, and just the, 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 the mindless, like scrolling, right. Um, that's when I, I realize that I need to pick up a book is when I'm starting to scroll too much, mm-hmm. especially like in the summers when I do have time to read. Um, and it's not for school. So one thing I did want to bring up, but I remember, so I heard you on another podcast and you had talked about Imago Day for a pretty long time. Cause that is your passion. All I talk about every, every, <laughs> every sermon. I'm like, oh, uh, and for we have a lot of seminarians that listen to this podcast because, again, that's where it was birthed and that's where my, you know, people are for right now. It also hits other places too. Thank you, Flamey Grant. <laughs> now we have listeners in California. Um, but yeah, what what is your um, why Imago Day? Like, what is your your stick with Imago Day? Well, I mean, if you read my book, then you'll, I, I just feel like that explains a lot for me with Imago Day, but I just think it sums up everything that's important <laughs> about our faith that, you know, we're made in God's image, mm-hmm. that God's spirit dwells within us. And that because of that, we're empowered to hear from God. And then act accordingly. And we actually don't need anybody to micromanage our faith for us. Um, We don't need anyone to tell us what or how to believe. Of course, community matters. Community is essential and we need support on these, on our journey. It's just that we don't need anyone like shouting directions at us all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that because and I, again, like I preach, I feel like I preach the same sermon every single time I preach, but it's, it's okay. I say a little differently. This last week, I'm like, we were really harmed when we sold our souls in exchange for certainty and prepackaged mm-hmm. doctrine. Yeah. Because what happened was we thought, like we lost self-awareness that we already have everything we need within us to access every spiritual resource. Mm-hmm. So for me, Imago Day is like, come back, like return to this, get grounded, get like, this is your home right here, this inner, this inner message. And you can trust yourself and you can cultivate your spirit intuition, which is your intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I could go on and on and on, but yeah, my little my little message and every I love it though because ev- almost every time I interact with anyone from my church someone references it now mm-hmm. they're like you know that, like they like add it to their talks or they add it to their thought process like it's really working <laughs> like I'm like Steve Jobs like wore that same shirt every day like that's yeah. the Mago day like I wear this shirt every day I will talk about it on every podcast every sermon it'll be referenced and that, yeah. So my little blog now is called Imago Day every day. And even if I don't say Imago Day, like it, this whole, everything is informed by it. Yeah. So, and it's so good because it does really like deplete the things that we were indoctrinated with. Like, yeah. don't trust your heart. You know, yeah. you can't, you know, out of the, you know, it's just, just all these things, all this bullshit that we were 
programmed with and to think, no, you know what? I don't have to listen to what you're saying or what you're putting on me because I am in the, I'm made in the image of God. And it also like, it gives us our humanity back. Cause that was the one thing that we would take away from people so quick was their humanity because we were just trying to save a soul from hell to get them to heaven. We didn't care anything about them. Nothing. Yeah. So I think that just, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's empowerment. <laughs> I love it. Actually, I, maybe I can, maybe, I don't know what you have left, but I have to at least say this before we yeah. wrap up. Um, I started, so my daughter is seven and I don't know where she got this from, but the other day, this was like months ago, she was trying on some kind of outfit and she looked at me and she goes, slay or no day. no like I don't know where that came from but I told my sister my sister told her daughter who's like a teenager we all thought it was so funny that we say it to each other all the time now we're just (laughs) so I started this blog this sub stack it's called Imago Day every day and I made my first post and my sister commented at the bottom slay or no day <laughs> so that's gonna be you know you have your t-shirt Sunday school dropout my t-shirt's gonna be like slay, slay or, no or no day <laughs> but it's like yeah it's true we have to like Imago Day is an active concept like it's not just a belief it, it's a practice that we live like we believe it. What does our life look like when we when we live like we believe we were made in the image of God and God's spirit dwells within us? Slayer, Slayer no day. You <laughs> <laughs> can see like, you know, people get like the tattoos. You can have like Imago Day on one and then Slayer yes. no day on the other. Yes. <laughs> um, arms, I was pointing to my arms, folks. Sorry. I um, think that people can see us. Um <laughs> They can imagine. <laughs> they can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I have other people's notes. I need to erase those. Um, what is something that you would want to tell your younger self? <laughs> <laughs> um, lots of things that you didn't give me enough time to prepare mm. my answer. Um. I don't know. I mean, I guess I would tell my, you know, whenever I wrote my book, which is, it's a book about Imago Day. That's what I tell people who know what that means. I was like, okay, who can I write to? Because I have to write to Mm. someone. If I don't write every single chapter, can like consistently, I'll be like writing to a different person in every chapter. So I need to like pick one person to write to that'll keep me grounded this whole process. And so I decided to write to my younger self. Mm. So the book, the whole book is a book about Imago Day, and it is written to my younger self. Um, so I do think that the ultimate thing for me that I need to hear and that I needed to hear when I was younger was trust yourself. Mm. Trust. You're allowed to listen to spirit within you and trust it. And not everyone needs that message, but for me, that was the radical message that I needed and that I still need. Yeah. I, I think it's it's pretty astounding how common that answer is. You know, um, 
what is something that you would want to tell somebody listening to this interview? And that can be anybody that you have in mind. Yeah. Hmm. Slay or no day. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And we're done. <laughs> it always goes back to Amago Day for me. So I can't, I always say to people like, and that's all our pastors have been saying this for, for years. Um, but I can't do your faith work for you. I know just like I'm, you know, saying, I don't want to be micromanaged in my faith and I don't need to be, I can't micromanage your faith. So as a pastor, I'm always saying acknowledgement, I can't do your faith work for you, but I encourage you to prioritize it because it's worth, it's worth the effort. It will be worth the effort to, and like my sermon last week was called lay your own groundwork. It's worth mm -hmm. the effort to lay your own groundwork. Lay or no ground? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> lay or no slay. <laughs> lay or no slay. Have you preached that sermon yet? <laughs> well, that wraps it up. I mean, it's been an hour already. It goes by so fast. Um, and now like, we're at the end. I'm like, I have all this other stuff to bring up. But maybe it's a part two or <laughs> which yeah. I feel like it's going to be a lot of these folks. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, thank you. For yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just amazed because you're in school and you're doing, a, it's, I have a podcast. <laughs> it's a really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hard to have, like, it's, it's a lot of work to like edit it yourself and like get it out there. And so, um, yeah, I'm just amazed you're doing that while being in school. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it brings me a lot of joy and I try to get, um, a lot of these recorded, um, ahead of time. So I can just basically edit the night before and send them out, um, Thursday morning. So that's actually been really great self-preservation for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Instagram or on Facebook. You can find us at Another Exvangelical Podcast on all streaming platforms. You can also leave reviews on, I believe, any platform that you're listening to. I know you can on Spotify, but the best way to reach me is through facebook and instagram i would love to hear from y'all let me know what you want to hear in season two let me know what you liked what you didn't like um, what uh, was hard to digest in season one i really really would love to hear from y'all you can send me a private message or you can message under the uh the picture of the episode that you would like to comment on y'all take care Goodbye.